everybody, welcome back to Jew Oughta Know, where right now we are oughta knowing about unsolved Jewish mysteries from history. We have gone looking for King David's tomb, investigated the whereabouts of the Schneerson collection of important Jewish texts, and hunted for Jewish Bigfoot in the medieval streets of Prague. Today, we're going back into ancient history to look for one of the greatest relics of Judaism. You know, if you're somebody who owns any Jewish ritual objects at all, chances are you have a menorah to light the Hanukkah candles. There are lots of kind of menorahs out there, but in ancient times there was one menorah specifically. One precious one. One menorah to rule them all. But we haven't seen or heard from it since the fall of Rome. We know exactly who took it originally, we even know his name. But what's happened to it since then, that's the mystery. Don't worry, there's plenty of theories. I'm your host. Jason Harris, and this is Jew I Don't Know. I would say to young people that we can do everyone our share to redeem the world. So here's a question for you. How do you know that something you're looking at is Jewish? Like, is there a symbol, say, that if you saw carved on a piece of rock or displayed in some artistic form, that you would know that you're looking at something that is specifically Jewish? Now, whatever the first answer that comes to your mind, it's probably the obvious answer, right? The Jewish star, sometimes called the Magen David or the Star of David. You see that, you know something is Jewish, right? Yeah, sorry, that's wrong. The Jewish star is indeed a symbol of Judaism, but it's a fairly recent one. Although it is said to have originated with King Solomon, who was King David's son, it started appearing about 2,000 years ago as a Roman symbol. It was later used for several hundred years by various Muslim kingdoms, which is kind of interesting. It began appearing in some medieval Jewish communities like in Prague about 700 years ago. But it didn't become the symbol of Judaism until the late 1800s, and it was really popularized by the Zionists before making its way onto, of course, the Israeli flag. All of which is to say, if I'm in Israel, and I'm looking at something really, really old, and I'm trying to figure out if it's Jewish, I'm not going to look for a Jewish star, since I won't find it anywhere. Instead, I'll look for another symbol to indicate whether an ancient structure or a city or something like that is Jewish. I'll look for a menorah. Now, unlike King David's Jewish star, the menorah goes back even before his reign. It goes back to the Israelites wandering in the desert on the way to the Promised Land from Egypt. It turns out that in addition to his many other leadership roles, Moses was something of a fledgling furniture maker, because God downloaded to him, Ikea-style, exact instructions for making the various furnishings that went inside the Holy Tabernacle. The Tabernacle was the mobile sanctuary that the Israelites carried through the desert, inside of which was the Holy Ark containing the Ten Commandments. Picture the general's tent from a movie about the Roman army and you've got a pretty good idea of what it looked like. Of course, it was a tent, it was indoors, it needed a source of light, so Moses was instructed to build a candlestick made out of pure gold. This candlestick would have had six branches jutting out to the sides and one branch running up the center so that it could hold seven lamps. It stood a little over five feet tall, again, everything made from pure gold, and it was all carved from a single block rather than individual pieces attached together. Imagine being the guy in charge of carrying that thing around the desert for 40 years. The Israelites were instructed to use pure olive oil to light the lamps. Moses' brother Aaron and Aaron's sons were put in charge of keeping the lamps burning from evening until morning. 
The light was intended, said the book of Exodus, to be an eternal symbol for all the generations of the children of Israel. Now, why six branches and a central seventh one? The Torah doesn't spell out a reason, but seven is an auspicious number in Jewish tradition. The six days of creation, followed by the seventh day of rest, Shabbat. Later, rabbis noted that there are six branches of human wisdom guided by the central pillar of Shabbat. So the menorah then was a deeply symbolic object that already in ancient times reflected Jewish history, tradition, and philosophy. So what happened to that original menorah built by Moses? Because Moses' menorah is probably not the one that we are missing today. So it turns out it's a whole story. Okay, so we have to go through a little bit of the historic ancestry of the menorah in order to get at the menorah that we're looking for today. Now, the original menorah that Moses made, which stood watch over the Ten Commandments and the Ark in the tabernacle, it was dragged around the desert by the Israelites for some 40 years. Moses, you'll recall, was not permitted to enter the Promised Land with the Israelites, but the mobile sanctuary did. The Book of Joshua has the Israelites settling in a place called Shiloh, which today is located in the West Bank, and there they set up the sanctuary tent in a permanent spot. Although the Bible doesn't mention the menorah specifically then, it's safe to assume that it was there next to the Ark of the Covenant. And for the next 369 years, Shiloh served as the center of the Jewish people. Since Jews worship wherever the tabernacle is, Shiloh was the place of pilgrimage, power, and ritual. Think of it as Jerusalem before there was Jerusalem. Until, that is, the Philistines sacked the city, captured the Ark of the Covenant, and no more mention was made of the menorah. Now, although the original menorah is no longer mentioned in the Bible, the Bible does recount that the rest of the tabernacle items moved around with the Jews after Shiloh fell, and there's no reason to think that the menorah wasn't included. Eventually, it and they made their way to Jerusalem, which King David made into the permanent capital around the year 1000 BCE. It was his son, King Solomon, who built the first temple. The Torah writes in a couple places about Solomon building candlesticks, plural, but not Moses' original menorah. Still, according to Jewish tradition, the menorah stood in the temple along with the Ark of the Covenant, which the Israelites had gotten back from the Philistines. When the Babylonians sacked Jerusalem in the 6th century, the Bible records them taking away the candlesticks. Again, plural, no mention of the original. Several decades later, the Jews returned to Jerusalem and rebuilt the second temple. The Bible makes a subtle reference to the recreation of holy vessels, but not candlesticks specifically or Moses' menorah in particular. So it seems that at this point, Moses' original menorah was lost to history. Bummer. The menorah, presumably a new one now, comes into play again in the story we've all heard of. Hanukkah, in the year 165 BCE. Facing down the oppressive occupation of the Syrian Greeks, the Jewish fighters under the Maccabees recaptured Jerusalem, rededicated the Second Temple, and created the Hanukkah miracle in which one day's worth of oil lasted for eight. Again, the reference to lamps is made in the plural, not the singular, but it's safe to assume that when the Jews rebuilt the Second Temple, they also repopulated it with replicas of the original furnishings, including the central menorah. So you might be asking, Given that we haven't heard specifically of the menorah for nearly a thousand years at this point, how do we know that it really existed at this time? 
How do we know that it looked like what the Bible says it looks like? How do we know it was so important? How do we know it was real? I mean, it's not like we have a photograph of the thing at the time. Except actually, we kind of do. And so our mystery hunt begins. We have, in fact, a clear-as-day depiction of the menorah. Who took it and when, and to where. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you've probably heard me mention somewhere along the way that in the year 70 of the Common Era, the Romans sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the Second Temple, ending Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel until 1948. The guy we have to thank for that is Titus. In the year 70, he was in charge of putting down the Jewish rebellion. He went on to become emperor in the year 79, but died in 81. His younger brother, Domitian, became emperor of Rome, and in the year 82, built a monumental arch to his older brother's great victories against Judea. I hope my younger brother is listening to this part. Now, if you've been to Rome, no doubt you went to both the Colosseum and the Roman Forum, and along the pathway connecting the two still stands today this marble arch of Titus that Domitian had made. And carved in relief on the inside of the arch, we have something incredible. A depiction of Titus's Roman soldiers carrying off the spoils from the temple, including, most prominently, in huge relief right there for all to see, the temple's menorah. This is such a rare contemporary source. It's how we know that the menorah actually existed, that it looked pretty much as the Bible described, that it was in the temple, and that at the time it was one of the most sacred objects of the Jews. For why else would it be featured so prominently on the monumental arch? And remember how I just said that it was made of pure gold? Well, a detailed analysis of the relief found traces of yellow paint on the menorah, indicating that it was originally painted bright yellow. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, well, it was a tragedy for the Jews, of course. Not only in loss of life, but in loss of sovereignty in the Promised Land, and the beginning of a 2,000-year-long spell of exile. For centuries, local custom forbade Jews from walking underneath the arch to avoid giving legitimacy to what the Romans considered to be a great triumph. After the menorah and the temple treasures were paraded through Rome in the year 71, the relics were put on display in the Temple of Peace in the Forum. It was built by the Emperor Vespasian using money sold during the sacking of Jerusalem, and so it was fitting that the temple's treasures, including the menorah, be kept there. A kind of Jewish museum, if you will where the Roman public could come luxuriate in the glory that was Rome's victory over the failed Jewish rebellion. Now, one of the last mentions of the menorah in the historical record is from the 2nd century. Rabbi Simeon ben Yochai traveled to Rome from the Holy Land and reported that he had seen the menorah there. He didn't say where exactly, but it's safe to assume that it was in this temple of peace. And so there the menorah and the rest of the temple treasures sat until the 5th century when Rome was sacked and the empire collapsed. What happened to the menorah after that? Well, we're left with all kinds of theories. Here we go. And bear in mind that we have basically zero evidence to support any of these, so feel free to pick your favorite. Here we go. Okay, theory number one. It's at the bottom of the Tiber River in Rome. 
in the ecstatic orgy of mayhem that accompanied the sack of Rome, those damn barbarians, actually it was the Vandals, but they burst into the Temple of Peace in the year 455, grabbed all these Jewish relics that they didn't understand, and heaved them into the Tiber River, where either the water eroded them away, or the buildup of silt over the centuries has buried them. But this theory, not very likely. Remember, the menorah was made of pure gold. It's probably not something even a drunken vandal would miss. Okay, so theory number two. Theory number two says the golden menorah was taken by the vandals and melted down into coins. Impossible to ever trace that backwards. That sucks. Okay, theory number three. Somewhere along the way, the menorah was simply destroyed. Maybe it was a fire, maybe it sank on a ship, maybe it was done on purpose or an accident, but either way, somehow, somewhere, the menorah finally met an inglorious end. Still, you'd think there would be a record of some sort that a gigantic and endlessly valuable relic of pure gold was, oops, accidentally dropped by some clueless vandal trying to load it onto a forklift, but who knows? I mean, I guess if you were the one who did it, you probably wouldn't want to tell anyone, right? Menorah? What menorah? It was here a minute ago. So I don't know about that one. Theory number four. Now this one gets interesting. This one says that the Vandals took the menorah back to their capital at Carthage, in what is today Tunisia. And there it was for 80 years, until the Christian Byzantine Empire conquered the Vandals, pillaged Carthage, and sent the spoils back to Constantinople. Some rumors suggest that the ship carrying the menorah sank, leaving the temple treasures lost at sea. But the Byzantine historian Procopius, who interestingly enough was a native of Palestine and was embedded in the campaign against Carthage, Procopius reported that the menorah made its way back to Constantinople, where it was paraded through the city much like the Romans had done a few hundred years earlier. Now, according to Procopius, the Byzantine Emperor Justinian was warned about keeping the menorah. Look what happened to Jerusalem, Rome, and Carthage. Every city that housed the menorah eventually gets destroyed. So according to Procopius, after the victory parade, Justinian promptly gift-wrapped the menorah and sent it back to Jerusalem. Which was very thoughtful. Except that his staff forgot to get confirmation of delivery from the post office at the other end, and we have not a trace of record as to what happened to the menorah once it arrived in the Holy Land. And not too long after, in the year 614, the Persians conquered Jerusalem, so maybe they took it or destroyed it. But whatever they or anyone else did, they didn't leave a clue. Now what's interesting here is that we have this actual source, Procopius. He wasn't some random guy, he was the chief historian of Byzantium in the 6th century. It's hard to imagine that he simply made up some fanciful tale about the menorah unconnected to anything. I mean, that would be pretty random. It seems reasonable to believe then that something was going on related to the menorah during the 6th century. But what that is, hard to say. So theory number four I like. Hang on to that one. Okay, theory number five, my personal favorite, the Vatican has it. 
Now this has been something of a Jewish urban legend for hundreds of years. It's not totally irrational. In the chaos of the sack of Rome, the church already had an established basilica and other real estate in what is today the area of Vatican City. Perhaps the menorah ended up in their hands. Christian clerics during the Middle Ages did make some subtle references to the church having possession of the temple relics, but it might have just been propaganda. Since the church was positioning itself as the true heir to both Jewish history and the Roman Empire, claiming to have the temple treasures was a nice way to string the two together and claim legitimacy. In 1513, Raphael, yes, like the famous Raphael, he painted the Expulsion of Heliodorus, a fresco inside the Pope's residence in the Vatican. And this fresco depicts the seizing of the temple treasures in the 2nd century BCE, which prompted the Jewish revolt of the Hanukkah story. There in Raphael's fresco is the menorah. Now it's probably just there to lend the painting historical authenticity so that the viewer would understand what they're looking at. Or did Raphael include the menorah as a wink-wink to the fact that the Vatican retained its possession of the temple relics? It's really fun to indulge in these conspiracy theories. Now in any case, the menorah is said to have been secreted away in a crypt underneath the Lateran Palace in Rome, which was used by the popes for centuries, until it eventually was moved into the secret Vatican archives. There, supposedly, the menorah and the temple treasures remain today. Now it's hard to believe that even if the Catholic Church has had the menorah this whole time, that word has never leaked. But the fate of the menorah is such a powerful legend that even the state of Israel has occasionally placed it on its diplomatic agenda with the Vatican. Various Israeli officials, from the chief rabbi to cabinet ministers to even the president himself back in 2004, they've all made official inquiries that the Vatican assist Israel in solving the mystery once and for all. In 2004, the Israel Antiquities Authority was allowed to search the Vatican's facilities for archaeological artifacts and found nothing surprising. Although the conspiratorial mind will have no trouble believing that the Vatican could have simply hidden the menorah from the Israeli scholars. I mean, remember, Israel also couldn't find the golem in the attics of Prague synagogue from last episode, so maybe they're just not sending their best people. I don't know. Now just recently, Pope Francis announced that he was opening the Vatican archives to material relating to the church and the Holocaust, and immediately my Twitter feed exploded with jokes about finding the menorah. So the urban legend is clearly still alive and well. Although, it's pretty unlikely. So which is it? Which theory is correct? It's impossible to say, but a good bet might actually be theory 4 about Procopius and the Emperor Justinian returning the menorah to Jerusalem at some point, and then the Persians destroying it. If for no other reason, then that's the only theory with any sort of legitimate documentation of any kind. Which means that the original temple menorah is probably long gone at this point. Or maybe it really did get lost along the road to Jerusalem, and at some point they'll be digging in a new parking lot in Israel, and boom, there it is. A Jewish organization called the Temple Institute, based in Jerusalem and dedicated to someday re-establishing the Third Temple, which I don't know if that's the best idea, but anyway, they've created an exact replica of the original menorah, based on the specifications outlined in the Bible. 
It's in the old city, and they seem to move it around now and again, but as of a few months ago, I saw it in the plaza in front of the Herva Synagogue in the Jewish Quarter. So if you're there, go check it out. It weighs half a ton and is encased in $3 million worth of 24 karat gold inside a bubble of bulletproof glass. Pretty cool. You can find a picture of that menorah, as well as a photo of the Arch of Titus and other content relating to this episode on my website, jewautonow.com, jewautonow.com. See you there. And for next time, he is the most famous and most controversial explorer who ever lived. Jews played a significant role in the voyages of Christopher Columbus, but was he himself Jewish? Huh. We'll find out. Maybe. Lehithraot. See you later. Nice. 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 Nice.